0: To all of you listeners of this great station, this is Rabbi Alba from SLC. I'm going to be talking about the parasha we read yesterday, Rasha B'chukotay. Uh, there are two things I'm going to talk about, the beginning of the parasha and also the Tukhaka, which is in the middle. At the beginning, the pasuk says, Im it means, what does that mean in the Telechu? means to go. The plain meaning is, if you follow my statutes. But it doesn't say, uh, you know, if, if you follow them. It says, if you go in my statutes. Why was the word Telechu used here? Rabbi Shachmir Rottenberg, the famous Ger Rebbe, he points out an interesting lesson from this passage. He answers like this: When it comes to the Torah and spiritual matters, one cannot stand still. One has to always keep in motion in learning and fulfillment of the misvot. In these matters, he says, there is a great principle. Either you progress, that is go up, or regress, go down. And standing still is similar to going down. To understand this concept fully, imagine you are next to an escalator that's going down and you're trying to go up. Now, if you stand still, you'll be going down. If you make a small effort, you just about stay in place. But if you make a nice big effort, you will be able to climb up. This is why we must be, we must keep going to Torah classes, fulfilling as many so, so as possible. Otherwise, will stagnate and request. That's the first uh, 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 remark we get from Imbechokotay Telechu. But there's something else that Washi brings. He says, Telechu, Zekiuma Mitzvot. Perhaps you might think that this is talking about the fulfillment of the mitzvot. But not. It says right next to that mitzvah, "Taitish meruva muta." Okay, that that's Yoma mitzvah. So what is in Behakotai tolechu? Hamani mikayen, b'tehu, amelim b'tor, amelim. That you should labor in studying Torah. You should sacrifice for studying Torah. You should toil. Not just that. Like take a, a laid back attitude and thinking, oh, the Torah is going to come to my brain. doesn't work that way. Well. The amelut of the Torah is very important. And in fact, whenever we finish a masechitah, there's a certain prayer that we say, and it's really taking from, taken from Talmud Yerushalmi, masechet Megillah. It says over there, I'm just quoting part of it. They get up early, and they the Gwim get up early. They get up early in order to pray and learn the Torah. They get up for idle things, idle words. Okay, We know that. The Gwim don't learn the Torah. That's fine. Look at the next sentence. Amelim, Him Amelim, we toil in learning the Torah and they toil and also yeah, they toil. We toil and we get a reward. Him ve But they the goyim toil, in the toil. They labor but they don't get any reward for it. I that doesn't make any sense. Hafetz Chaim, Alav Shalom says, "Kashet." There's a question of it. a very uh, a strong question. "Vehiim amelim ve'na mekablim zkaris says." Possible that they, uh, they, they work and they, they work hard and they toil and uh, and they get nothing for it. "Halu ahiyat mekablim zkarim amalu al bigdoshet ta'faris." The tailor, he gets he gets a reward. Uh, for whatever he did in, uh, on, on the, the clothing that he, uh, he showed, the carpenter gets something for the, uh, whatever, a box, whatever he did for you, right? So, how do we understand this? That, well, I'll give you an example. Let's say you go to Thailand and you want to make a You want a suit, okay? He takes all the measurements. Everything's okay, fine. And he says to you, come back in three weeks. Okay, the suit will be ready. Now you come back in three weeks. Maybe you lost some pounds, maybe you were sick. And you lost 10 pounds, whatever. And you come back. And the suit doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Now, this man has been toiling and laboring and working for three weeks. But does he get any money yet? No. Why? Because there is no finished product. Yes, he worked. But you don't pay for the work and for the toil and the labor that he has. You're paying for a finished product. And the finished product is not there yet. That's the thing. When it comes to Torah we do not get paid for things. We get a reward for the actual labor that we put in. When you are sitting down and learning a page gemara, you make a tremendous effort to try to understand it, but you don't understand it. At the end there's no result there's no result. You don't know what you don't understand. You have a lot of questions on it. What does that mean? you lost the whole day? No. You get the reward for the fact that you were studying all day. It's something very important. Well, I don't know. It's important. People think, oh, look, uh, you know, I don't have the head for it. If I can sit down and study, I can understand it. And it doesn't matter. Sit down and learn. If you understand it, fine. If not, you still get a sit for sitting and Rabbi, you know, in Shalom, he gives an example. He says, this wealthy man had a swimming pool in, in the back of his his home. And there was no water in there. He wanted to fill it up, And there was a river about 100 feet away. So he hired two people. He gave each one a pail. And he told them, look. You go to the river, fill up the pail, and come over here and pour the pail into the swimming pool. Okay, I'm gonna pay you by the hour. Fine. Each one takes his pail, and if they go to the river, they fill it up, and as they're coming to the swimming pool, they notice there's a hole in the bottom of the pail, and the water's leaking out like crazy. When they get there, a trickle of water is left. So one of the workers says to the other, look, we're wasting our time. We're going to, we'll never be able to fill up this uh, woman's book. The other answered him, what do you care? You're getting paid by the hour. You're getting paid by the hour. Why should you care? Whether you accomplish anything or not, when you're learning Torah, you're getting paid. A Baruch Hu is going to give you a sakhar for the, the fact that you're sitting there and learning. That's very important. The other thing that I want to talk about is in the middle of parasha, we have what we call the tohaha. It's unfortunate. This is an awful and terrifying description of the curses. That would befall the bnei Sarai, if they would not keep the mitzvot. In fact, the Raman, he goes through a lengthy description, and he carefully puts down uh, that how these curses actually did occur in the first temple. The tochacha of Parashat B'ha did occur in the first temple. And the uh, curses that appear in the Tukhahah of Kitabun, again, they appeared, they actually came to be true, they were realized during the second temple, like the instruction of the second temple. Now, so we have in Parashat B'Khokutai a whole Tukhahah with a whole bunch of curses, right? But there is one curse somewhere here, right in the middle. One well, curse, which appears to be an actual curse, but it's really a blessing in disguise. You know what a blessing in disguise means? It means that it looks like a curse, but it's really a blessing. How's that? Okay, here's what it says. As part of curses. He said, we don't follow the mitzvot. Hashem is telling us, I am going to put your cities in ruin. I'm going to make your land desolate. And it adds the following. Your enemies they are going to conquer the land, they're also going to keep that land desolate. This is a promise from a Garushwaru. And Rashi says, yeah. what does that mean? Zomidato <laughs> Bali this is a very good measure, he says. Why? Oibim The enemies will never have any na ruach on the land. The land will be desolate as long as the enemies are keeping the land the land going to be more or less desolate. Nothing. No development, Nothing. This promise was 3500 years ago. For 2000 years, we were not in Eretz Israel. And you know what? For 2000 years, that land has been desolate. right Now can you imagine? if while we were in Galut, we were in exile, if Eretz Israel was a highly developed country with beautiful high skyscrapers, multiple business corporations, lots of natural resources, and a strong army to defend the land, forget it. How, could he, how would God have to give that line back? Hashem promised us that the land will stay desolate. And as the Torah predicted, all the subsequent occupiers of that land, they never achieved any significant development of the land. The land was lost to the Romans when they destroyed it, the Temple destroyed in uh, around the year 68 or so, yeah, almost 2,000 years ago, right? After the Romans came the Byzantine Empire. Right? After that, the Crusaders. And after that, the Arabs took the land. Then the Ottoman Empire, the Turks, which occupied them for 400 years until World War One. Throughout all that time, the land stayed desolate. It stayed desolate, waiting for its children Come back and develop. That's the blessing in disguise. Then Hashem saw to it that the Ottoman Empire allied themselves with the Germans and lost the war. Now, the Ottoman Empire, the Turks at that point, during World War One, they had a choice. They could have allied themselves with the Germans or they could have allied them with the Allies. Had they uh, allied themselves with the allies, meaning United States, France, England, they wouldn't have lost any of the land. But Hashem saw to it that the leaders of the Ottoman Empire to ally themselves with the Germans, so they lost the war, and they lost the war, then they lost more, most of their empire. And Elsass fell under the mandate of the British until 1948 when Israel declared its independence. All throughout that history, from the destruction of the second temple till today, there has never been a land called Palestine or inhabitants of the land called Palestinians. Never. Why? Because there was never a country called Palestine if you have any doubt and there ever was then I have three simple questions for you Where was that land? Where were the borders of that country? Now every country is well defined as borders, right? Uh, United States has known borders, we know, France has known borders England, China, Japan, they all have borders, right? Can you tell me where the borders of that land, called quote, quote, Palestine, doesn't exist. Number two, who were the leaders of that country called Palestine for the 2000 years, who were they? Every country has a president, a king, a prime minister. Yeah? Who were the leaders before Yasser Arafat who, in who declared himself the leader of the Palestinians and said, oh, this is my land. Lenin, do you know of any king or president of a country called Palestine? It doesn't exist. Number three, what currency did they use? America has dollars. Israel has shekel. Saudi Arabia has the real. Japan has the yen. What did the Palestine land or country that they call... What what, uh, what currency did they use? None. Why? Because it never existed. It's a myth. It's a myth. Yet, they go around claiming it's their land. What a footstep. What a footstep. What corruption and distortion of history. I will That land. Always belonged to us from way back. Hashem gave it to him. He promised it to Abraham Avinu. It's unfortunate because the tochah we have, if we did not follow the mitzvot of Hashem, we didn't follow the Torah that Hashem gave us. Unfortunately, we were punished and thrown out of the land. But that was always our land. Matter of fact. Yerushalayim, Irak Kodesh, always had a Jewish presence. More or less, some, at, 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 some, uh, at some time it was a few, other times it was a lot, whatever, but always something, some press, Jewish presence in there. And uh, Baruch Hashem. Today is Yom Yerushalayim. The day when Hashem gave us back the holy city of Yerushalayim. A city that was founded by none other than our king, David Amir. That's right. It was not founded by anybody else. By our king. Let me just give you a little short history of the last eight years or so of Yerushalayim. You know, under the 1947 United Nations Partition Plan proposed the establishment of two states that was then, 1947, in the British Mandate of Palestine, a Jewish state and an Arab state. Originally, believe it or not, Jerusalem was supposed to be an international city. Neither exclusively Arab nor Jewish, for a period of ten years, at which point they would have a referendum by the residents of Jerusalem to determine which country to join. That was a plan. The Jewish leaders accepted the plan, but the Arabs rejected the proposal. Every time there was a plan or a proposal by the nations, the Arabs somehow managed not to accept it. And Baruch Hashem, because of that, we actually, our land has grown. Now, as soon as Israel declared its independence in 1948, as you know, it was attacked by the Arab neighbors. Now, Jordan, Took over East Jerusalem and the Old City. Israeli forces at the time made a real effort to dislodge them, but they were unable to get them out. By the end of '48, the uh, Jerusalem was left divided between Israel and Jordan. The Old City and East Jerusalem continued to be occupied by Jordan. And the Jewish residents were forced out. Under Jordanian rule, Jews were not allowed to come to the Kotel to pray by our holy Kotel. Under Jordanian rule, half of the Old City's 58 synagogues were demolished and the Beta Kvarot of Har Hazetim was plundered. He took the stones. He used them for building material, for paving roads. But this state of affair changed in 1967 as a result of the Six-Day War. And mind you, before the start of the war, Israel sent a message King Hussein of Jordan saying Israel will not attack Jerusalem or the West Bank as long as they stayed away. They remained quiet. But that did not happen. Why? Because Egypt was pressuring them and giving them false intelligence reports. And as a result, they started the war. And on June 7, 1967, 28 E.R., 57, 27, Israel captured the old city of Jerusalem. That day became Yerushalayim forever. Baruch Hashem, lately the United States moved its embassy to Jerusalem. many countries will follow. They have to. Because Yerushalayim is the capital of Israel. And with the help of Hashem, will remain the capital forever until Mashiach sitenu, which we hope and pray to be coming very soon. Amen. I want to remind you again that this is a great station. If you try to contribute as much as you can. There's a lot of benefit. There's a reap from it. And if you have anything, please contact us at our... SLC office. Have a beautiful uh, ceremony hall and I'm sure we can accommodate any of you seminar. Uh, have a happy, happy. Haqshavuot, to you, and Shavuatul to all of